It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jason. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> I did not expect that at all. <laughs> Thank you, Wit. I appreciate that. That's so yeah. sweet. You as the keeper of the schedule for the timing of these episodes, I it didn't... Uh... <laughs> I've been so focused on other stuff. I didn't expect that sweet birthday greeting. So thank you. That was that was an even better way to start the episode than I thought. <laughs> I mean, I really debated whether to sing that or the Stevie Wonder version. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to or we just or did. <laughs> what was the song? Oh, hey Jason, it's your birthday. What? How did it go? Oh, that one from your childhood. Oh. My name is Zoom and I live on the moon and I'm here to something blomp with the birthday tune. The astronaut, what's it named? Mr. Zoom? Dr. Zoom? Captain Zoom. I'm Captain Zoom and I live on the moon. That's, yeah. Yep. Also a now, classic. Now you have to tell the story of that song. So when I was very, very little, my mom got me a vinyl record just to show you like what era we're talking about here from whence I came. My mom got a custom vinyl record that you could send for and they would mail you that this voiceover artist, they had a song and a whole character named Captain Zoom. And he would sing this birthday song, but insert your name. So he'd go, hey, Jason, it's your birthday today. And so whatever your name was, they'd receive the order. They'd put the name of your child into the song. And do the recording and then ship you the record for like five bucks. So I don't know what age I was. My mom would know this, but it was young. It was maybe four or five years old. She got this Captain Zoom record and it became a tradition in my youth to play this Captain Zoom record. Fast forward to my 40th birthday, which was three years ago, because I am now, as of today, 43 years old. And three years ago, I had a, a blowout celebration that Whitney so brilliantly masterminded. And the very first thing that happened on the day of my birthday is Whitney and our dear friend, Nicole, who was also a guest here on the podcast, we'll link to her episode in the show notes at wellevator.com. They busted into my <laughs> apartment, my loft in Koreatown here in LA, blasting that song. And I was so delirious. They literally woke me up. I was like, I hadn't heard that song in decades, mind you. So it was this weird dream state, you know, that state between sleep and dream, that weird, I don't even know what you call that, that weird limbo state. And I was like, what is going on? And then I realized it was that song and I got so confused. I got so confused. And then you and Nicole came up and you guys surprised me and you took me out for donuts. And then you had this amazing surprise party where it was probably what, 20, 25 of my closest friends. You guys surprised me with this at least 2025. I think like 60 people RSVP to maybe like 30 to 40 showed up. Was it 30 to 40? Wow. I think so. Wow. Yeah, that was 
You've masterminded two really spectacular surprise parties in the time that we've known each other, Whitney. Like you've really, to give you massive props of how much coordination, organization, forethought, and creativity you have put into so many of my birthday celebrations, it's just been masterful. Like you've really, for the big ones, you've really outdone yourself. Like whatever 55 is going to have for us, like, holy shit, that's going to be, and, and we, we have a pact between you and Ellie and I, you guys can check out the significance of number 55 in the numerology episode we did but we have a pack that on ellie's 55th my 55th and your 55th we are going to go bananas bananas on those birthdays well now you have to tell the story of the first big birthday surprise i i threw you yeah that was 2013 that was 2013 and (laughs) whitney kidnapped me that day and blindfolded me and drove me around town. I had no idea where we were going. So she took me to some of my favorite spots and also secret spots that I had never been before. So she blindfolded me and drove me all around LA, took me out for a massage, took me to some of my favorite restaurants and little places to get snacks and things like that throughout the day. But then she upped the ante by the big one, which was, okay, I'm going to blindfold you and again, at the end of the day, I had no idea where we were going. And we're in the car for what seemed like an eternity. Like it, it felt like the longest drive in history. So when we arrived wherever we were, she kept the blindfold on, would not let me take the blindfold off for any of these adventures. And then she's like, okay, you take the blindfold off. I take the blindfold off and I'm in the middle of plant food and wine or Matthew Kenny's place when it used to be in the Santa Monica uh, mall. Excuse me, you forgot the first time I took off your blindfold. The first time. When I took you to the go-karts. Oh, go-karts. Right, right, right. How could I forget about go-karts? Yes, yes, yes. Earlier in the day, we did <laughs> we did a go-kart track day with with some of our closest friends and that was so fun. That was so that was insane. And I thought that was like thank you for the reminder. I thought that was like the coup de gras, right? That was like, okay, cool. But then at the end of the day, what I was telling you is like she even went the extra mile and did dinner with a lot of the same group of friends, but some other friends that weren't there. And the friends who couldn't make it, you got them to record video birthday greetings that we got to watch on your, it was your phone or your iPad at the time. And it was just so magical. And it was such an amazing dinner and the desserts and the food. And like, I just, I think back on some of those memories, Whitney, and like, especially now, you know, during quarantine and COVID and all the things we've been talking about, like those intimate, personal, in-person celebrations, I feel hold even more significance right now. They really, really do. Like such sweet memories, Wit. Well, we had to acknowledge you on your birthday. And I'm curious how you're going to spend your birthday this year in 2020 when the world is in a completely different (laughs) spot than it ever has on previous birthdays. Well, I first of all want to acknowledge that there's a first here on This Might Get Uncomfortable. For any longtime listeners and subscribers, thank you for your wonderful support. Thank you for the birthday wishes that are inevitably going to roll in because y'all are are ride or die. You guys really go hard for us on social media and here on the podcast. But I'm doing something here on my birthday, Whitney, for the first time, which is I am doing this podcast in my underwear. Now, I have to imagine that some listeners probably try and envision as the human imagination is so vast and creative. Like, I wonder what they wear when they do these recordings. Well, for me, it's usually shorts and a t-shirt. 
but I'm doing what I want because it's my birthday and I am hanging out in my favorite boxer briefs. FYI, maybe TMI, but now you guys know what is the score. Usually shorts and a tee or a tank top, but I'm going full on boxers today because I want to be comfy. But you asked Whitney, what am I doing this year for number 43? Well, yesterday on Sunday, which is generally a better day, we had a a little socially distanced picnic over in Elysian Park, which was very sweet, you know, blankets and keeping people separated. And that seemed to be the most safe, unifying thing to do. But today on the actual birthday, I'm going to take myself to my favorite spot for lunch in LA. I'm going to go to Kitchen Mouse. They have the Moro's cakes and the chilaquiles and the snickerdoodle pancakes. And I'm going to just, I'm going to do my thing at my favorite brunch spot in LA, Kitchen Mouse. I'm going to take myself to my favorite bookstore, which is a sky, well, bookstore that's open. Not all the bookstores in LA are open. I'm a huge fan, FYI, if anybody didn't know this or you didn't listen to our second episode, which was my life story and all about me. I've been obsessed with books ever since I was a little kid. I started reading at an abnormally young age and used to take books to bed with me as if they were stuffed animals. And I currently have a queue of at least 15 books that I am making my way through slowly but surely with all this downtime. Such as? On Love, which is a book by J.G. Bennett. I'm reading a lot of books related to the Gurdjieffian Fourth Way teachings, which is through my, my mentor, Michael, that we mentioned on our episodes. He's really into a lot of transformational work that originated with George Gurdjieff in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. So I'm reading a lot of stuff about personal and spiritual transformation right now. And then after I get through those, I'm going to crack into a book by Carolyn Elliott called Existential Kink, which is not a book about sex. Everyone thinks when I talk about that book, it's like, oh, it's a sex book. It's actually a book about looking at our shadow work and the things that we resist and we push away, the things that make us uncomfortable, the things that we disapprove of about ourselves. And by owning and celebrating those aspects of our personality, they help us actually get more of what we want in life instead of denying those aspects of our personality. Really cool stuff. So that's in my queue. So I'm going to do some reading. I'm going to spend some time in nature. I'm going to spend time with Dems. Uh, I'm going to spend time playing my new guitar. That's another side story. I treated myself to a, a new guitar for my birthday. So in a nutshell, oh, and also my new lady, Laura, that I've mentioned here on the podcast, especially in the relationship episodes, there's been one place in California, Wit, the whole time that I've lived here, which has been... 13 and a half years now? Yes. Uh, I've never been to Big Sur, ever. I've been to NorCal. You and I have taken many really great trips up to Northern California. I mean, we took a legendary trip up to uh, the Ravens and the, um, what was the name of that resort we went to years ago up in NorCal? A Stanford Inn. Stanford, Stanford Inn. Inn. Yes, yes. Thank yes. you. So, so you and I have taken some legendary trips to Northern California, but I have never, ever been to Big Sur. And that part of the California coast, Carmel, Salinas... Santa Cruz. I used to live in Santa Cruz, but I never went to Big Sur. And I thought, you know what? This seems to be the year of the road trip, which I definitely want to talk to you about some interesting ideas for road trips. I'm feeling the itch to do a road trip. So Laura and I, we got together. I said, you know what? I've never been to Big Sur. She's never been to Big Sur and she's a California native. So we're going to go up next week and we're going to spend three days in Big Sur and Carmel and Salinas. Amazing. That sounds magical and a little piece of good news for you, Jason, and maybe for the listener as well, is that I have been editing the video that we recorded on a road trip in 2019 
And perhaps by the time this episode is released, it'll be done and, and I can put it in the show notes because it's a really sweet video. We, um, I don't want to ruin like all of it. I think it's really enjoyable to watch. No spoiler alerts. <laughs> I mean, there's no like major spoilers <laughs> that happen, but if you're somebody that likes to watch videos like that, I think it's going to be on the lengthy side. And it's like a vlog based on this road trip. Jason and I went on to Colorado. We went through Utah and Arizona and Nevada. It was just a really joyful time. And it's been so interesting editing that video because <laughs> that was before COVID. And it's just like, there's all these little moments in the footage of things that we don't have right now. And it reminds me of kind of the freedom that we experienced before a lot of this happened. And and that actually leads me to the main subject matter for this. So for those of you listening, thank you for listening to intros that, you know, each of our episodes kind of morph into different subject matters, it seems. And a lot of the times we start off very like conversational all over the place, talking about random things that's going on in our lives or in our minds at the time. But today we actually have a very focused subject matter. And this is based on an ebook that Jason and I have been working on for quite some time called From Chaos to Calm. And it was written to support anybody who's been struggling with feelings of anxiety, stress, maybe depression, anything as a result of COVID-19. And I imagine that when COVID-19 eventually passes, assuming that it does, hopefully this isn't a permanent way of living, but it certainly seems like it's a lengthier process than I think I thought it was going to be when it really hit the United States at the end of February, early March to 2020. And here we are in July. I think that there's two things at play. One is is how we've been feeling over the last few months. And initially, our idea with this book, which you can download for free on our website, so we will be sure to link that for you, but you can easily find it at wellevator.com. If you haven't been to our website before, that's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. Dot com. If you go to the free resources section, it'll be there and it'll also be linked in the show notes. We do show notes for every single episode that we record on this podcast. If you go to podcast.wellevator.com, you can find specific episodes and all of the reference points so that the road trip video I just told you about and photos from Jason's birthdays, I'll put in there. I actually think we have a video or at least some footage of Jason's birthday. I have to go and try to find where that is. I know that I recorded a lot from the birthday he referenced in 2017. And once I find that footage, I will put that in the show notes for you as well. So there's there's a bunch of videos to find. Definitely go check that out. But we also really want you to download this free ebook from Chaos to Calm. And I was sharing that when we initially came up with the concept for that book, that was probably in March or April, I imagine. And our aim was to get the book out really fast to support people that were feeling intense emotions around COVID. But the book actually isn't being released until July because I think we were dealing with our own versions of stress and anxiety, right, Jason? I mean, God, yes. it's God, yes. challenging to help other people through things that you're currently struggling with. And I think we generally find ways to do that here on the podcast. We talk a lot about our struggles and through our other outlets. We certainly do. But 
I'm actually glad in a way that we waited for two reasons. One is that I've learned so much and I bet Jason has as well. So there's a lot more that we can share from an advice perspective. And then B, I just feel like there was so much information coming out, like how to handle your anxiety during COVID-19, you know? And it was almost like there was a bombardment with that. And I didn't want to add to the noise. I agree with that, Whit. It was, it was, we had this initial spark of inspiration and, and creative juice to put this new ebook, this guide out. And then to your point, Whitney, it was, you know, dealing with, for me at least, the difficulties with unemployment and some healthcare stuff and my own health issues that flared up. It's an interesting thing because two phrases come to mind. And I, I think you, you and I have discussed this personally in the past, maybe not on the podcast. But the two phrases that come to mind are, uh, doctor, heal thyself. And we often teach what we need to learn most. And that resonates in a lot of ways. I think if I look at what you and I are doing here with Wellevator, and this might get uncomfortable in terms of touching on mental health, emotional wellness, relationships, food, uh, figuring out our own prejudices and our own blind spots, and just trying to become more self-aware, conscious, effective, loving human beings on the planet. That's really our aim here. And in doing so, Whitney and I are certainly committed to that endeavor uh, in our personal lives. But just to back up what you said, Wade, it, it did feel like there was a lot to unpack for us in terms of how we were handling the COVID situation with our own personal health and social distancing. Again, our own issues with anxiety, stress, loss of income, things just to be real, like our own personal shit that was going down. And it's difficult sometimes to have, I feel, and we talked about this in the introversion episode with Monica Schrock, a little bit about the depletion that happens. And I think for me, Wit, when I'm already struggling with my mental health, which has been well documented here, or some physical issues that have come up, it's really tough for me to find the energy and the bandwidth to support others. It's like having the patience to complete something in its own time, which as we're releasing from chaos to calm, it took a few more months than we thought. But I feel certainly emotionally much better about this creation that we're releasing now than had you and I rushed it. Absolutely. And I think that's a big part of something that we discuss a lot is that hustle culture and how there's so much pressure to do things right, to do things quickly. And that in itself gives me anxiety. And I think it causes resistance within me. And, and Jason, I imagine that you have that as well as you don't like to be forced into doing something. No, the rebel in me, the archetype, the rebellious spirit, it, oh man, that hits the switch real quick. Yeah. And for me, I'm a questioner. We've talked about the four tendencies on the show a bunch. And part of what it means to be a questioner is that you will always question the reason why doing something before you actually do it. So if I don't understand why there's a rush, if I don't feel like there's a good explanation for why I should rush, then I probably won't. And I will resist doing it just for the sake of doing it. <laughs> so anyways, what we're going to do in this episode is share some of the techniques that we address. So the book actually goes through 12 different techniques that you can use to release anxiety and stress and in any of those accompanying tough emotions that you've been experiencing. And these are techniques that will help you with your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. 
And this episode was actually inspired by another episode we did, which was going through, it was a two-part episode. So there were two separate episodes, two parts. And that was about Jason's book. What was it called? Something Blissful and Badass? What's the oh, name of that yeah. book? Oh, yeah. Blissful, Balanced, and Badass. There yeah. you go. I knew I was missing a B yeah. in there. Yeah. That's another free ebook that you can get. And we'll link to that episode if you want to check out those tips and get Jason's free ebook. We have a lot of free ebooks, actually. Again, if you go to our website, wellevator.com, there's a whole free resources section. And on there, we have three ebooks. Plus, once you sign up for those, we send other freebies that you won't find elsewhere. So we're just trying to find lots of ways to support you for free. We also have paid resources, but you know, sometimes it, it's nice to start with something free before you invest in, into something financially. Uh, okay, so I think we should just dive right in. Do you have the ebook up in front of you, Jason? I don't, so I'll let you start so I can open it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to wait for you, Jason, because the opening page of the book it starts with with one of your favorite quotes from one of your favorite people, and I think it's going to be best to hear it from your voice. Our ebook begins with one of my absolute favorite quotes from one of my probably top five favorite authors of all time, Joseph Campbell. I've talked about him at length in terms of his philosophies around mythology and human existence and how myth and story is something that's a little bit missing in our culture here today and why it's so important in terms of archetypes. So the ebook begins the preface here with the quote that says, opportunities to find deeper powers within ourselves come when life seems most challenging. And Joseph Campbell's sagacious, timeless words have the power to inspire hope in the heart during this extremely chaotic and confusing time. And we're all certainly feeling stressed, anxious, and uncertain. We all have fears about how life is going to be once this crisis passes. And there's been a barrage of scary news, and it's a lot for us to take mentally and emotionally. One thing's for sure, life is not going back to normal. We will be forever changed by this transformative situation. And to prepare for brighter days, I think it's important to take care of ourselves in the moment, to nourish and heal ourselves with presence and compassion and intention. And the following 12 techniques can help us get through this feeling of free fall and allow us to more gracefully ride this spiritual roller coaster we're all on. So our aim with this guide is to really help you work through any of this worry and stress before it's affecting your state of being. And it's interesting because, you know, we wrote that in the book, but Jason, now that I'm rereading that, I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't think we're <laughs> we're necessarily helping people before it has a chance to affect them. I think for a lot of us, it already has affected us, right? So this this is actually part of the reason I wanted to go through this book as we're putting the final touches on it, because I want to make sure that this all makes sense. And sometimes when you read it out loud, you're like, oh, <laughs> this doesn't quite make sense. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when you read a book that you've written, as, as Whitney and I both have uh, published books that are out there, which we'll link to in the show notes. We're both really proud of them. I remember reading the proof, the first draft of my book and thinking, uh, this is a little stilted. It needs to be more conversational and relevant. So yeah, reading things out loud, I think has tremendous benefit. I'm glad we're doing it in real time. 
Me too. And I also feel like that shows the process. And, you know, our aim is to not share every word of this book with you as a listener because we hope that you'll go read it. But we also wanted to make it a little bit of an audio companion guide to it because some people just prefer to listen to things. And if you've been listening to our podcast, and even if this is the only episode that you ever listen to, you're likely here because you really enjoy taking things in that auditory experience. We'll we'll take you through the book. We're not going to share every single detail. I'm somebody that actually likes coupling audio, visual, and the written word. So right now we don't have a, a video component to this, but maybe we will in the future if it's asked of us. We just wanted to give you both of those experiences. So that's a different way to take in this information. So hopefully through this episode, you will get some more techniques that can help nourish you and help you care for yourself, enhance your self-care practices, and learn more about the things that have been working for us during this time. So speaking of which, I think we should start with our personal experiences with chaos. I think that we make clear in every episode of our podcast, but also as a reminder, the two of us don't have everything all figured out. We struggle with anxiety. Jason talks a lot about his struggles with depression. We have mental health challenges. We struggle emotionally. And one of the things I spend a lot of time on is different coping techniques, I suppose, or healing techniques, modalities. Part of that is because when I feel stressed, one of the things I start with is gathering resources. I'm a big problem solver. And I get very frustrated when I feel like something is in my way and I can't control it. And throughout my life, people have criticized me off and on for being a controlling person. And when I reflect on that, I believe that that's just part of the way that I cope. I like to feel like I'm in control. Again, it's just like my coping mechanism. <laughs> you know, if I feel like if I can predict things and control them. I can put out the fires and I can find that balance. It's very comforting for me. Does it make and you I, feel safe with? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it is a, a big feeling of security for me. And I bet you a lot of people can relate to this because a big keyword during COVID-19 has been uncertainty. And What's interesting, we definitely talk about this in the book, so we'll get more into it later, but it's like, oh, if I can plan something on a personal level, then maybe that helps me feel more certain. And so if things around me externally don't feel certain, then maybe internally I can create some sort of certainty there. It's like a form of confidence that I'm looking for. And it's a fascinating thing when you reflect on your reactions. I've certainly struggled a lot with low self-esteem and not feeling good enough. And I think that will often turn into me being or acting like a bit of a perfectionist, even though I, I don't identify with that word. I used to use that word in a positive way. I would say like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. I just want to get things right all the time. But I, I recently read a book about perfectionists and that made me feel like, oh, I don't want to identify with that at all because I don't think that's serving me. So for me, I, I do a lot of internal reflection. And even though that might seem like I'm controlling, you know, like, oh, if I can just reflect on this and understand it, then I can fix it. And that's probably still at play. I don't know if I'll ever get over that side of myself. But 
one thing that has helped me through the process of internal reflection is trying to be very accepting. And this is something that comes up in the book later, but but just to share my personal experience, I feel like my big work at this stage in my life, and may be an ongoing piece of work, is not to judge myself and to simply accept the way that I look, the way that I feel, and not judge myself about that too much. Just kind of watch it pass by. And the things that really support me through that are practices like journaling, verbal affirmations, yoga, and or taking long walks where I can reflect and be on my own, deep breathing, reading, having, havishing, <laughs> having a, <laughs> a nourishing diet is what I wanted to say, havishing. That's an interesting word. That really helps me be really gentle with myself. and. All of those things combined help me during times where I feel really low in energy, where I'm not focusing, or maybe I'm in a bad mood. And like we were saying before, trying not to force myself out of it quickly, instead just observing it and letting it pass whenever it seems to pass. Those are the things that have helped me out a lot. And we're going to talk about a lot of different techniques, so that's just a bit of a summary of where I've been at in my experience with this chaotic time. The thing that comes up for me, Whitney, before I share my thoughts and some of the things I've been working on and struggling with and moving through, when we talk about self-care and a lot of the journaling and yoga and deep breathing and self-reflection techniques that you use, I think part of the resistance possibly for some people, I'm curious if this has come up for you, when you reference the hustle culture and, and working hard and perfectionism and I guess a lot of these old paradigm things that are rooted, in my opinion, in a very individualistic, toxic, capitalistic culture that forces us and encourages us to burn ourselves out and strive to succeed at all costs. You know, with the economic downturn and maybe projects being put on pause or projects being canceled, you know, I, I don't know how much you want to share about not only our, but your personal business dealings, but has it been difficult for you to not not just put aside the time, but prioritize these grounding self-care anti-anxiety practices when maybe there's a part of you that's like, no, 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 but you need you need to hustle because the money and the things and we got to make sure that when things open back up, we've got momentum. I'm just curious how that dance has been for you mentally. Well, Jason, our next episode, you don't know this yet, but I have planned out for our topic is about the hustle culture. And man, I just finished reading a phenomenal article about this and specifically how it's affecting millennials. And even though Jason's not technically a millennial, I'm a millennial. I think that you identify a lot as a millennial, even though you age-wise are not one, Jason. Yeah, I'm Gen X, technically. <laughs> technically Gen X, yeah. For you, Jason, and for the listeners, stay tuned because... I was blown away by what I was reading and researching about the hustle culture. So I'm going to save part of my answer for that episode and encourage you, the listener, to subscribe so you don't miss out on that episode and future episodes. If you like what you're hearing today, then we have a lot coming for you and a lot that we've already done. This is our 91st episode. So there's a lot of content for you and you can actually search on our website very easily just by keywords. So if you go to podcast.wellevator.com, you'll find a lot there. But a quick summary of 
to answer your question, Jason, before you get into your experience with chaos, is that I'll say right now I have found a really great balance. And part of that is because I was recently asked to do to speak on creating a good routine for well-being. And so I've spent the last few weeks to a month really diving into what is best for our mental and emotional health when it comes to a regular routine. And through that research, I was able to shape a routine for myself. So the project I'm referencing, I believe will be public, almost positive and permanent. So if that project is in that uh, form where anybody can watch it, I will link to it in the show notes as well. It doesn't come out for a few weeks to a month, but I will put that out for you because I'm going to get dive deep into wellness routines or well-being, I, I prefer to say. And so going back to what I was saying, part of my coping is by doing research and reflection. And that's usually where I find what works best for me. So even though I can get into a little bit too much of that planning mode and that controlling mode and trying to like make everything perfect, I have found that it does serve me in some ways. It does have some benefits as long as I don't view it too rigidly. And again, I think that's part of the hustle culture is that it perpetuates this idea of of trying to get it perfect and trying to get it right. But if I allow myself to kind of think about it that way at first, but then shift into a more relaxed and balanced perspective of things, then I can kind of do my own version of hustling and my own version of perfectionism, if that makes sense. Like it's kind of hard to verbalize because I've actually never said this out loud before, but it's like a softer version of perfectionism, if that makes sense. And to specifically answer your question, Jason, I have made a more rigid schedule for myself, but I build in the well-being into that day. So I actually time out every, at least right now, I'm speaking very specifically about this stage of my life in summer 2020, because this is what's working for me now. That doesn't mean it will always work for me. But I have found major benefits to planning out my day before I go to bed. And I plan out everything that's important to me. I set my priorities when it comes to work and business. So those go on my calendar and my to-do list. I also add in when I'm going to eat lunch and when I'm going to have dinner. And I have experimented a lot and found that I want at least an hour for each of those meals because that includes the time it takes to either make a meal, cook a meal, prepare a meal, or go out to get something if I'm going to pick something up from a restaurant, for example, and get takeout. And then the time it takes to consume that food plus to relax from it. So I dedicate at least two and a half hours of my day to my meals. And that's really important to me. And then I build in in the mornings, afternoons, and evenings my work time. And then within that, I also build in an 30 minutes to an hour of movement, whether that's yoga or taking a long walk or doing some sort of fitness routine like a class. And then I build in time to read. I give myself at least 30 minutes to read a book and 30 minutes to an hour to read online articles. So those are separate and those both go on my schedule every single day. And then I also build in little breaks in between things. So throughout my day, I have like an hour for this one work project and an hour for another work project, but I put gaps in between each of them so I can get up and stretch and I can 
lay down in the bed for a second or sit on the couch or use the bathroom or go make some coffee or tea or just kind of zone out, maybe watch TikTok for a little bit, right? And so that is, even though it feels very rigid and scheduled, it actually helps me a lot because I kind of can follow the rhythm of my day and I've built in that self-care time. It's really impressive, Whitney. (laughs) I've never heard you break it down to such a degree. And it's interesting because I feel like I've somewhat, (laughs) no shock if we talk about the tendencies, my rebellious nature has been with so many, I don't know, I guess structures or familiar routines being thrown to the wayside. I feel like both resisted the chaos and then I've also kind of surrendered to it. It's been an interesting dance of, yeah, resistance and surrender. I think in some ways for me, you know, the idea of routine is good and structure is good for me because without it, I tend to scatter my focus creatively and and nothing seems to get done. This is something I've noticed over the course of my life is that if I don't implement some sort of fundamental structure. It doesn't have to be extremely rigid because I will rebel against too much rigidity, but enough to get me to stay consistent with the things that I know I want to do, right? Finish a song, finish a book, write our newsletter, record podcasts. There is some structure that I think is necessary if one wants to complete creative tasks or even menial tasks. But for me, I think, you know, by virtue of having animals to take care of and a dog to walk and having a meditation practice and having having rituals i think in all of this chaos of you know losing for me uh, there were a lot of projects at the beginning of covid that either got paused indefinitely or completely canceled and full disclosure i'm on unemployment for the first time in my life which has been a really interesting dance with my ego of i was this is very tangential so hang with me but the idea of filing for unemployment which i did very early on i did it in the middle of march when California was first put on quarantine lockdown, you know, there was this battle internally of me of you fucked up, you failed, you should have saved more money, you should have, quote, planned for this because you knew there was going to be a disaster at some point. There was a lot of self-immolation and a lot of really negative self-talk that I was indulging in. And I wasn't being very kind to myself. And I said, you know what? You have worked really hard and you have hustled your ass off for so long as an artist and entrepreneur and being in business for yourself for so long that, you know, take a little time to like allow the programs that are in place to help you. So long story short, I ended up applying three different times for unemployment. And after three and a half months of waiting, I finally got approved. So that's been a a blessing and a godsend in so many ways. Having some help from family financially, having support from friends, like really getting through this has been I've been leaning on people a lot more than I usually do. And that's also been an ego battle of like, no, you, you know, that individualistic hustle mentality, you got to be self-made. You got to do it on your own, which is total bullshit, by the way. No one is self-made. Everyone has support and love and a leg up from someone somewhere. The whole idea of being self-made, if I may riff on that for a second, it's an illusion. And I think it's more programming to drive us into wrecking ourselves oh, well, they're self-made. You need to be too. And I I noticed that I was buying into some of that bullshit. I had to deal with looking at that over the course of this thing. But for me, Wit, I think having, again, a flexible routine in terms of, okay, 
I'm going to work out, but maybe I'm not going to work out as much. Maybe I'll, I started doing yoga again this past week. I went to my first yoga class in three months and I'm walking every day and I'm not, I guess in a way, I'm just not pushing myself as hard as I used to. And that feels unusual because in some ways, Wit, I have been operating in a mode of push, 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 drive, 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 outwork everyone, out hustle everyone, sort of this old school Detroit blue collar mentality I grew up with which in some ways has served my success in my career, but it's caused a lot of mental and physical health issues in my life. And I've got to be honest with myself, I don't really want to return to that old way, you know, of forcing myself, pushing myself, being in some ways cruel to myself of when I perceive I don't work hard enough and I don't hustle enough and I don't apply myself enough. In some ways I've had that structure, but I've also taken my foot off the gas a little bit during this time, Whitney. And I've had to face that inner voice, that inner critic that tells me I'm not doing enough and telling him to, you know, hey, thank you for the input, but you're going to ride in the third row in the back seat on this road trip. I'm not going to let you drive and I'm not going to let you control the radio anymore. So thanks for your input, but, you know, shut up. <laughs> thank you for being so transparent about that. And I think that's really important to share because one of the things that I, I think a lot of people struggle with right now is feeling alone. And that leads to more feelings of isolation. We certainly have a lot of versions of isolation socially because of physical distancing right now. And that takes a big toll on us. This is something that we talk about in some of our, our techniques. There's, there's a section specifically about socializing during this time and how it's really important for our mental health to socialize. And I think it's also very important for us on a social level because let me just say this, that socializing, I think, often is associated with having fun. It's like getting together with people and having a good time. But of course, a big part of how we socialize, especially with our friendships, our kind of more intimate relationships, friendships, family, romantic partners, et cetera, we also spend a lot of that time supporting each other emotionally and listening to each other's struggles and understanding that we're not alone. And one thing that I find really fascinating is that I often am in a pattern of assuming that I'm dealing with something that other people aren't dealing with. Right. Do you feel that way too, Jason? I do. Yeah. It's a very interesting egoic trap. I'll call it an egoic trap because it's almost this idea that we're the only ones who have ever experienced heartbreak, financial loss, insecurity, death of a loved one. I mean, there's a million challenges and aspects of suffering of the human condition and human experience, but it is weird when we're in it and we're deep in it. There's like the ego plays a trick on us. Like this is your suffering and it's yours to bear and no one will understand and no one's ever, and it's total bullshit, of course, because no matter our religion, skin color, race, eating style, lifestyle, belief systems, there is far more, I believe, that unites us in the human experience than divides us. Absolutely. I think that that is really important to be reminded of. And I hope that just listening to us share about our experiences helps you, the listener. And we also invite you to share your experiences, whether you want to do that privately with us or publicly. So privately, you can reach us in a few different ways. One is through email. Our email is hello at wellevator.com. 
We are always there to read your messages and to write back as soon as possible with whatever you need. And you can also contact us through direct message. This seems to be the method of preference for a lot of people. If you go to at Wellevator, that's again, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. We often receive direct messages on Instagram, sometimes on Facebook. We are also on Twitter, which kind of has direct messaging and Pinterest, which I don't think does. But a lot of the platforms is my point that you can even TikTok, you can direct message us there. Those are ways that you can let us know what you're going through privately. And if you want to share it publicly, you can also use social media or you can go to the comment section underneath each of our show notes. Every episode has little podcast show notes. And at the bottom, there's a comment section. And just by sharing what you're going through, not only gives us insight into who you are and where you're at in life, but it helps other people. And we hope that through this ebook from Chaos to Calm, each of you are reflecting on and learning on things. And if there's something that we left out of the book that you want to add to it, we'd really, really love to hear that from you so that you know you never know who you're going to affect with your words and your experience. I think it's an interesting time overall, Whitney, for individuals that are really willing to look at themselves. And when I say look at themselves, and I talk about doing the work, whatever we reference that in terms of our mindfulness practices or spiritual practices or some of the things I've referenced with my work with my mentor, Michael, this period of time, including this moment, you know, not just the first, say, three months of the pandemic or quarantine, whatever you want to call it, I think that that Certainly, there's always moments of self-reflection and always opportunities to look at ourselves. There's been something just really magical. I'll, I'll use that word. It's magical and unique about the economy slowing way down, about the environment regenerating itself, about people losing their jobs, going on unemployment. And certainly, I, I'm not saying that my my or our struggles have been unique or different than anyone else's, but it's just been an interesting time to go deep and reflect on I don't know, some of the deeper things that are are running us. You know what I mean, Whit? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we touch upon in the book. So going back to some of our techniques, the first one that we share is encouraging you not to run from the pain. And I think that there is this natural tendency or common tendency for us to try to escape things that are feel really painful. And especially in this time, we don't know how long it's going to last. Like I said, I mean, what's interesting about COVID-19 is all the different evolutions of it. And I remember I first started hearing about it. Hmm, I definitely was aware of it in February and I felt like I was aware and bringing it up more with people. Then it wasn't really on the news very much. You were hearing like what was going on in China, but it felt like it was this distant thing. And People didn't seem that concerned about it, at least in in mid-February, but I think I might have started to hear about it earlier than that on TikTok, which is one of my favorite sources of information, for better or for worse. And a little side note, I spent a lot of time on TikTok early on in COVID, and I found myself in the first few months of it, especially once things started to shut down in terms of kind of like the quarantine when that began, which was in mid-March 2020 for us in Los Angeles, at least. I remember just spending so much time on TikTok because A, I was using that as a form of escape. And B, I was also using it as a source of news and a way to feel more connected to other people. And I was doing a lot of different things for escapism. You know, 
I was playing more like the video game I talked about in a few episodes called Animal Crossing that came out at the end of March 2020 for Nintendo Switch. And a lot of people were talking about it because it was this wonderful, peaceful game that you could use to just like escape, right? And so going back to my point, though, about how long this is going to last, I remember back then thinking, oh, this is temporary, so I'm just going to allow myself to escape this temporary pain. And then like weeks went by and months went by and suddenly it no longer felt so temporary. And now at the time of recording this, I feel even more at a loss. I mean, actually in a nice way, I feel like I've had to surrender a lot to that unknown. And COVID, I think, is teaching a lot of us to be present and not try to predict or control because we don't know what's going to happen next. And that can feel really scary, though. That can feel really painful. That uncertainty, as we talked about, can make us feel like we can't plan for anything. And a lot of our joy comes from planning. And actually, some research that I've come across in in terms of tips has encouraged us to continue to plan because we can always adjust. We can always course correct. But the, the act of planning things brings us a lot of joy. So even though it might not happen, we should still plan as if it's going to happen, but be prepared to have to shift things a little bit. And I think that's actually really good advice for life in general, because the other thing that we point out in this ebook is that life is always uncertain. It's just that right now we're a lot more aware of it. And the big benefit in that is that we can practice sitting in that uncertainty. And so this very first part of the book is really about just sitting in it instead of running away from it and trying to control it. The microcosm in the macrocosm is something that I think is such a foundational spiritual teaching, a, a mindfulness teaching. You know, the Bible, it says, as above, so below. You know, in the micro is the macro and vice versa. For me, you talk about sitting with the pain, Whitney, and not running from it and just being with it. I've been dealing with an extremely painful flare-up of gout. It's so funny. I've, I've told people, they're like, how do you have gout? You're in your 40s and you're vegan. I don't necessarily want to get into the ins and outs of that because it's a tangent that takes us fully away from this part of pain we're focusing on. But over the last three years, I've had two flare-ups of gout. It's not a chronic thing, but it's one of the most painful things I've experienced. I have a decently high pain tolerance. And one of the flare-ups was actually when Whitney and I were on our annual East Coast trip to Natural Products Expo East, which we referenced in a previous episode, got canceled this year. It was so painful while we were on this trip that Whitney actually had to push me around in a wheelchair at the trade show. And that was so humbling for me. And I had to be pushed around in New York. We actually went to a museum in New York City when we were visiting um, Whitney's sister. And it's the first time in my life that I, in public, you know, not in a hospital for any reason, had to be pushed around in a wheelchair. And it was very humbling, but it was also an opportunity for me to have compassion for people that that is their daily reality of walking with crutches or a walker or a wheelchair, or they don't have use of their limbs. It's an extremely enlightening and eye-opening experience to go through that. But another flare-up happened these past two weeks, and it's been sometimes to the point where it's so painful I can't sleep. And it's been a lesson because I've been wanting it to end. I've just like, God, when is this flare-up going to be done? When is my foot going to get back to normal? When am I going to not feel so much fucking pain? 
but the micro in the macro, you know, I've had the same thoughts about COVID. You know, when am I going to start making money again? When can I get off unemployment? When are the projects going to come? When are we going to get to go on speaking tour again? When do we get to go to concerts again? When do we get to see our friends again? When do we get to visit our families? It's the same thing. And once I realized that correlation that me wanting to avoid and end the physical pain I'm in doesn't mean I haven't been taking precautions and taking medication and herbal remedies. I have been, but not fully embracing the lesson in it, which is you're in pain and that is what's happening in this moment. You don't know how long you're going to be in pain. You don't know when your foot's going to go back to normal, which is the same thing as in you don't know when you're going to get another gig and you don't know when society's going to reopen and you don't know when you're going to get to see your family again. And it's just interesting how the lessons right now, Whitney, no matter how the lesson is materializing, they seem to mirror themselves. That's my experience right now. They're, they're a mirror for each other. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the joys that I find in life is learning lessons. <laughs> I think that's part of how I process and cope as, is looking for the glass half full mentality. And, and this is another technique that we talk about in the book is that if we can shift away from a negative outlook to a positive outlook, it can be really helpful in us coping with it. And this isn't meant to come across as reckless optimism or bright-siding, to pronounce it very clearly. I read about bright-siding in an article, and I thought it was really interesting because there is this tendency that we have or I should say maybe the wellness community has, or or maybe even our culture has, which is, oh, don't worry about it. Like, become a glass half full person. Like, look on the bright side, right? And that's not always helpful during tough times because it isn't necessarily easy to switch. Our brains are working basically through a lot of different processing and mental habits. So one thing that I've learned, and this comes back to what I was saying earlier about not rushing through things or not judging myself for where I'm at, it's not trying to rush myself into positivity. And I actually want to take ownership of the fact that I've been a bright sider in terms of my recommendations for friends. Like when I see somebody struggle, I have a tendency, a desire to encourage them to look on the bright side. (laughs) But I have to have more compassion for the fact that that isn't that easy. And the reason that we put a section about this in the book is that we want you to consider this. We would love you to to aim for it, to work towards it. But we also don't want to discredit the fact that you're going through a really tough time. So if you can... start to shift into it and take small steps towards it and just take that time to reflect on your pain as we're talking about and see if there's anything to learn from it. And if you don't feel the desire to learn something from it, if you feel more comforted sitting in the negative, then (laughs) maybe that's what's best for you in that time. You know, like sometimes it does feel good to dwell in negativity. So if if you're after what makes you feel good, then maybe dwelling in your negativity is the best thing for you in that moment. <laughs> long term, though, because we're we're very passionate about setting up these long term habits, 
the long term will benefit from you switching and shifting into that positivity. I think it's honoring where you're at in the moment and and really being authentic about where you're at. Just being real. And for me, having really danced with clinical depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation, all the permutations of mental illness that I've been experiencing, that when I there's a fine line between trying to force it and doing the work to shift yourself out of it. It really is a nuanced thing I found for me. Like when I'm in a negative headspace, and Whitney, you've seen me spiral into some really dark places. There's things I do as simple as, you know, the first words out of my mouth when I wake up in the morning is, you know, giving thanks for the day that I, you know, thank you for another day. Thank you for another day of life and all the blessings and joys and gifts that you give to me, you know, just thanking God, universe, life, whatever you believe in. Just simple gratitude prayer in the morning. And even if I'm not feeling it, there's something about the routine of just reinforcing the gratitude or reinforcing the gifts, even if the gifts come in forms that are painful or allow me to look at my suffering or allow me to look at my blind spots or my prejudices or whatever it is, the deeply uncomfortable, painful things that for our growth and evolution as beings, we need to look at. And it doesn't mean those things are, quote, bad, right? It doesn't mean that if we're suffering, that's a bad thing or that we're in pain, it's a bad thing, or that we are experiencing confusion, trauma, that those are, quote, bad things. And here's what I mean by that. I don't mean to be dismissive of anyone's life experience. That is not my intention when I say that. But I do think that in the midst of those seemingly, quote, bad or awful things, there are gifts, there are treasures, and there are awareness that we can all glean from that. And if we don't, I think that's when Sometimes pain, trauma, sorrow, suffering can persist if we don't see the lessons, the awareness, and the gifts that are deeply embedded. It's like digging, 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 and then finding that one little diamond or that little piece of gold or that little treasure in the midst of so much pain, suffering, and sweat. I guess that's how I'm kind of looking at the negativity or the pain or the suffering I experience with is I know that Sometimes below the surface, actually all the time, sometimes it's buried a lot deeper than other times. There's something for my growth and something to open my heart and something to teach me about life in the midst of it. There always is. I think that we've referenced this in another episode. I don't remember which one off the top of my head, but if we if if I recall it, I will put it in the show notes. We really enjoy the lessons that Dr. Victor Frankel shared, who is a Holocaust survival and known for this wonderful book called Man's Search for Meaning. And he found that the prisoners in these camps that he was in, the people that tended to deal with it the best were the people that were able to find meaning in their lives and those that were taking care of one another. And so he actually developed a whole form of psychotherapy to help people overcome depression simply, well, not simply, but (laughs) centered around finding meaning and purpose in life. And that often consisted of focusing on helping other people. So we do have a section in the book about finding that deeper meaning. And part of that is releasing that illusion of control, as we've been talking about. and. 
reflecting on what this means for you. What is it that you're learning from this situation? And can you do something good for somebody else? I think that actually is a huge thing going back to socializing. I think sometimes with socializing, we're very focused on what we can get out of it. But if we shift that focus to how we can help somebody else, that really can change our relationships with people. You know, that oftentimes I reflect on my desire to like be by myself and be very introverted. But I also try to take note on what my friends need. You know, maybe it's more important for me to get together with them for their sake than it is for mine. Or maybe they just need me to listen and that's why they want to talk on the phone. Maybe they need to feel loved, you know, talking to my family members, checking in with them. Sometimes it's much more about them than it is for me. Yeah, it's an interesting process, isn't it? Of, I don't know, just the human experience is such a fascinating, diverse, challenging, beautiful experience. And just to go back to what you said, Whitney, about brightsiding, I've heard it put another way, which is toxic positivity and the dark side of the high vibe culture, the high vibes only crowd. And I think we're seeing that to resist or run away from challenge, discomfort, things that are uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations, or facing and embracing some of the quote darkness or the, the shadow work. There's a great book, since we love recommending books, um, I think this was maybe 10 or 12 years ago, The Shadow Effect. And it was a compilation. I think it was Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson. Who else was it? It was, I think, four other writers. I'm blanking on the other names right now. But it was this idea that, yeah, looking at our shadows or looking at the unresolved, unloved, unaccepted, the parts of us ourselves that we find unacceptable, diving into that and really finding the beauty and the gifts in those parts of ourselves instead of smothering it with so much saccharine positivity that we don't acknowledge our darkness. We don't acknowledge our judgments. We don't acknowledge how much maybe we hate ourselves or whatever that permutation is. Yeah, just some of the most valuable work right now to me is really learning how to love 100% of ourselves. That is really tough work. One of the other techniques that we have in the book From Chaos to Calm is about challenging your rational beliefs. And part of this is how we can fall into self-sabotaging statements. We're speaking to ourselves in ways that are really negative for our self-esteem, and that keeps us in that mode of negativity. So if you're struggling with that or saying things to yourself like, well, what's the point? Why should I even do this? Nobody even cares. It doesn't even really matter. That can be really tough on your psyche. And there was a, a quote that I included on this page from this wonderful author and creator named Mari Andrew, who said, this has been a time when we are all permitted to be a bit more raw and a lot more human. I think that is like part of the glass half full viewpoint for me, which is that, wow, like that's actually a huge benefit. <laughs> How wonderful that we're given permission to make mistakes, to do things, quote, wrong, to not always be perfect all the time, to not always look our best or feel our best. It's as if this time in humanity is 
bringing about so much more compassion and understanding within one another because so many of us are struggling. It feels like a shared experience. And so if we can just do more reflection on what thoughts and beliefs we've been having about ourselves and the world, we may find that those don't really serve us. We may find that we've been really judgmental towards ourselves and other people. And if we can release that, it takes away some of the pressure and it can reduce the stress and anxiety that we're feeling too. We've referenced our friend Kyle Cease a few times here on the podcast and hope to have him as a guest in the the near future. And one of the things that I love about Kyle's work is he has this technique where you say something that you find you're in resistance to or you're avoiding or maybe an aspect of yourself that you haven't fully loved yet. So for me, that would be, I find myself avoiding or distracting myself from the things that matter most in my life. And I love that. So the end I love that is something that, again, kind of going back to this shadow work and acceptance, full acceptance of self that he teaches in his meditation and mindfulness work of say a thing that you might feel icky when it comes out of your mouth, like, ooh, wow, I really do avoid a lot of the things that matter most, like songwriting or making my music. And I love that. And not only just saying it, but sitting with it and going, oh, maybe I do love that. Maybe there is a part of me that actually enjoys and does kind of get off on the fact that I'm avoiding that thing. And why is that? It's it's not just for me, at least interpreting his work, creating a mechanism for practicing the acceptance of ourselves, but a door to some deeper inquiry, right? Of like, okay, if I do love that, because I'm clearly doing it over and over again, why do I love it? It's a fascinating technique. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Kyle for that one. I think it also comes back to doing what you can right now. That's a big thing. I, we kind of touched upon this earlier when we said like taking away that pressure <laughs> to do everything all at once and to meet the deadlines. Because one thing that a lot of people have been verbalizing about this time is feeling like their motivation has been greatly affected and reduced and their energy is different. And with things shifting so much, some people may have felt that this entire time. Some people like myself felt that at one point and now currently don't, but it might come back. And I think, again, looking at the lessons that I'm learning and the opportunities that I've had to reflect on myself and other people during this time, I almost feel like I'm building up some more internal resilience and awareness and recognizing that the things that I'm working on right now they may be very temporary, but they also could come back, right? Like they're temporary right now, but just because something ends doesn't mean that it won't come back again for better or for worse. And one of those techniques that works really well is just trying not to be hard on myself if I don't get everything done very quickly. Because some days I feel very accomplished and I'm going through that routine I talked about earlier and that whole checklist. And some days, I don't want to do any of it. Or some days I only do half of it. I mean, actually today is one of those days. It's um, on the day that we're recording a Sunday. And I 
planned out a lot of work for myself all weekend. And that's part of, I wouldn't say it's part of the job of an entrepreneur to work every day of the week. It's a typical experience, right? Unlike when you are employed by somebody else and you have very set hours, like the the typical nine to five, when you run your own business, when you're a solopreneur especially, you tend to work very frequently. Totally. And what I want to practice, and actually this came up in some articles I was reading recently, is it's really important for us to have weekend routines that are separate from our weekday routines. And I struggle with that a lot. Because I get into that hustle culture, again, we're going to do a whole episode on that. And and we've talked about that a number of times, but we have some more things to dive into on that subject matter in an upcoming episode. It's more that I'm learning to give myself permission to go at whatever pace I need to go on in the given moment. And I think because of the hustle culture, a lot of us are afraid to do that. We feel like we have to constantly perform at our best every single day, all the time. And if we don't, then something's wrong with us or we're not doing it right or we're slacking or we're lazy. And so we really need to tune into ourselves and be accepting of whatever we're able to do in that moment and what we really want to do, what can bring us this joy as we've talked about. You know, it's so important to find the joy. It's important to look at the bright side of things when you can. But if you can't look at the bright side in that moment for whatever reason, that's okay because you're doing the best that you can and you're doing what you can with the place that you're in and the knowledge you have and the resources that you have access to as well. I think one really important thing that I want to focus on more in my work with well-being is recognizing that not everybody has access to the same things. So that could be education. Not everybody has access to the type of education that I had or other people around me have. Not everybody has a great family life. Not everybody has close friends. I think a lot of people actually feel very lonely and isolated even when it's not during a pandemic. Not everybody has access to great food. We have a whole section we probably won't get into in this episode, but there's a really in-depth section of the ebook that we've been talking about on food. And so we talk about how helpful it is to eat unprocessed, functional food, very nutritious food. And Jason and I really do our best to talk about things that are accessible to as many people as possible, no matter where you live and how much money you have. But the wellness industry in general tends to have like this more elitist viewpoint, like eat these foods. These are super food. And Jason came up against this criticism when he wrote his book, Eternity, because he talked a lot about superfoods that that can be expensive or inaccessible. And some people feel left out by that. And I think it's brought that awareness. Like We need to acknowledge people for where they're at and meet them where they're at and give them permission to do the best that they can given where they're at. It's beautifully, beautifully said, Whitney. For me, it's been an ongoing challenge of, we talked about, you know, making this accessible. And boy, it's it's a tough thing sometimes because I feel like a challenge that I have sometimes is going so deep into the rabbit hole of all the things we're talking about, self-awareness and mindfulness and and presence and health and well-being and all the permutations, I guess, of what it is that we like to do, not just personally, but professionally. Sometimes I forget, and it's difficult for me to 
get back into the beginner's mindset or rather put myself in a, a state of mindfulness around someone who might just be at the beginning of their journey of eating healthier or just at the beginning of starting to meditate five minutes a day. And this is an important thing though. It's challenging, but it's also important because not everyone is at the same level of, as you said, accessibility or privilege, but also how long they've been practicing or how long they've been experimenting with different aspects of, of their well-being. And I think this is something that I have perhaps been unaware of in the past. You mentioned eternity and my use of superfoods and promoting superfoods for so many years. And I did it because I was really passionate about it. But I also think about you know where I grew up in Detroit and a lot of the people in my neighborhood growing up or family or friends that are there that you know, don't either a don't have the desire to leverage their financial resources toward, you know, super expensive, high quality mushrooms, which are effective, but they are pricey in many instances or Pilates. I'm not picking on Pilates, but Pilates, you know, you can see like Pilates for like a $30 a class, $35 a class. And there's a deeper desire I have in the work that we're doing with Wellevator and beyond to get back to that very simple minimalist beginner's place and try and put my mind and my heart there because I do want this work to be more accessible to people. I'm glad you talked about that. And I feel like I'm shifting away kind of from the uber expensive elitist mentality of the wellness field. And I get triggered by it. You know, when I see the posts and I see like, hey, this new, you know, mud mask is like $200 a jar. I'm like, nah, I think there's a different way. And I'm not judging it, but I think that if our desire is to make wholeness and health and well-being accessible to as many people as possible, we have to meet people where they're at. So I'm just echoing back your sentiment. This is why we write a, an ebook together is there's so much to add. And as we said, we're grateful for the opportunity to talk about it on the podcast because as of the time that we're recording, we haven't finished the book yet, but by the time you listen to this, it should be done. And saying things out loud and having discussions and reflecting on things really helps. And that's something we didn't actually put in the book per se, but maybe we'll add in. I think this is, falls into the socializing category is part of the way that Jason and I work is based on our friendship and we can support each other. We can learn from one another. We can kind of talk things out and figure things out together. And, and that's of a huge benefit. So for you, the listener, that to me is one of the key points in that book is to socialize in whatever way is accessible to you and feels good to you. And if you don't find it's an accessible thing, please reach out to us. Please let us know because we'd love to support you if you don't have anyone else in your life to support you. Well, there's so much in this book that we haven't gotten into. So we'll actually encourage you to go to the book and read it for yourself. And then maybe we'll do another episode about it because there are some other points like movement. We talked a little bit about movement, but there's a whole section on that. There's a section about breathing, the importance of taking deep breaths. You can practice something called breath work if you'd like. Just the simple act of breathing is actually one of the most powerful techniques that you have literally at your fingertips every single moment. And reminding yourself of that during tough times is really, really helpful. The book also goes into sleep and the, the importance of rest. So we want to remind you to make sure that you do that too. And as we mentioned, you can download this book for free. It's in the resource section at wellevator.com. That's again, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 
and you'll see the cover from Chaos to Calm there. It's also listed in the show notes for this episode at podcast.wellevator.com. You can just search for the word chaos and you'll find it really quickly. We try to make it as easy for you to find things as possible. And if you ever have feedback on our website and the flow of it, please let us know. We've actually been working on optimizing that more. And speaking of which, one thing I would really love from you is for you to fill out a survey that we recently put out for our podcast listeners. And this is available on our website. Again, it's podcast.wellevator.com in the show notes. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to put it on the sidebar, which is a little section to the right of the notes. Uh, We created a a survey so that we can learn more about you. We want to know who you are. And it just takes a few minutes to complete. It's just a few basic questions about who you are, how you found the show, what platforms you listen on. And that gives us more insight so we can optimize this experience for you. The more that we know about you, the more that we can make this appealing for you and, and help you out as much as we can, because that's really our aim. So we'd love for you to fill that out. The direct link to the survey is podcast.wellevator.com slash survey. Again, that's podcast.wellevator.com slash survey. And as we wrap up, we're going to do something that we've been doing for the past few episodes, which is reading some frequently asked queries. Jason loves these. (laughs) There's always something interesting. I've been cataloging them. This is the way I, a part, one of my ways of optimizing our website and the listener experience is diving into Google Analytics and seeing what brings people to our websites and to our podcast. And I often come across some really interesting things. There are more to share than I have time to do on this episode. So we'll just read a few of them. But this is something that you can look forward to in our upcoming episodes and in some of the previous episodes. We just started doing this a few episodes ago. And at the end of every one, we kind of reward you with something kind of fun, this frequently asked queries section. So I'm going to open up my list here and see uh, what comes to mind, if there's anything relevant to this conversation. If there's anything about how old is Jason Robel or any birthday related stuff, I'm going to freak out. That's going to be very meta. Very meta. No, there isn't. Um, this one's actually really interesting. I'm going to use this as like a a rapid fire answer from you, Jason, and I'll answer it myself. So one of the queries was, imagine you had an extra hour in the day. How would you spend that time? Mm, I would spend it doing pampering. Pampering is the first thing that came up to me. I'm still not great admittedly at self-care relaxation there, there was actually a really interesting blog post tangentially from uh leo babuda babuta who does zen habits really, i want him on our podcast really badly he had a really cool blog post we'll link to in the show notes about rest deep rest and i was reading through it and i'm like i don't do this like when i rest and i'm not talking about sleep per se like i don't really rest so i don't know the first thing that came to my mind i would indulge in deeper rest and pampering of myself because I don't really do that. Trying to think what mine would be. I've really been wanting an extra hour, especially because I've been planning my (laughs) days out so specifically. And and every day I feel like I have that feeling of not having enough time. But as soon as I have that thought, I don't have enough time. I try to shift out of it as quickly as possible because I just don't feel like it it serves me. It's not a very helpful belief system. So if I had an extra hour, what would I do? I, I might read. I might sleep. 
But I feel like I've been pretty good with both of those, getting consistently eight hours of sleep each night. I mean, maybe I would just have that as an open hour to do whatever I wanted. It, just like take it day by day. If some, if just like every once in a while I was thrown an extra hour. Or, you know what it is, Jason? It's like when something gets canceled. I love that. When you have a meeting or something <laughs> and it gets canceled last yes. minute, that's like an instant hour that yes. you get back. And I always feel a lot of joy when things get canceled simply because I feel like I'm getting extra time that I wasn't expecting. Is it the same feeling, Whitney, as when there, as you and I both grew up on the East Coast and the Midwest, when we'd get a snow day at school, but you didn't realize it until right before you were going to leave for school and you're like, yeah, snow day. Yep. That's that's a good uh, example of how that feels for sure. All right, let me see another one. This one I thought was interesting. I'm curious what you think that this person was trying to find by searching for this, Jason. They typed Soylent Green Impossible Burger. I would have to guess because we probably referenced Impossible in our episode about the Beyond Meat IPO and the growth of really explosive financial wealth in the plant-based space. We'll link to that episode in the show notes, of course. That was way back, many episodes ago. But I do believe, Wit, in that episode, we probably did reference Impossible Burger. Let me clarify. I'm not asking why they found our website. I'm asking, like, why do you think somebody's searching for Soylent Green and Impossible Burger? Oh, I think because (laughs) those, if I may, like why the corollary between those two brands and why someone would want to search for them. No, but I don't think... We're not talking about Soylent, the brand. Oh, we're talking oh, about the movie oh, 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 Soylent oh, oh. Green. Okay, so, so, so my they, guess, so the, <laughs> you're sorry, very confused. Got it. Yes, yes, yes. Soylent <laughs> Green. So, of course, it, uh, spoiler alert, the coup de grace. I don't give a shit. I'll do spoiler alert. I'll, we'll go there. The end of the movie, Charlton Heston is like, Soylent Green is people. It's people. So, of course, he finds out that this food source for the future of humanity is made up from ground up human bodies. So, someone is thinking that maybe there's an element. <laughs> Of the composition of the Impossible Burger that is made from human body parts. Wouldn't that be so disturbing? Like, what a horrible prank to play on vegans. That's why it's so good. You don't eat animals. (laughs) You said that being vegan meant that you didn't eat animals, but you didn't say that you didn't eat people. So we thought it was okay. It's technically vegan. And the people that we ground up for the patties, they deserved it. They deserved it. Whoa, that's dark. That is dark. All right. I'm going to give you a prompt, Jason. We're going to pretend that we're part of an improv Oh, I love this. Okay. Okay. And try not to think too much about it. Pretend you're on stage and you're really on the spot. This query is songs about adulthood. Will you make up a song about adulthood Uh, right now in this moment? The one that immediately came to mind was, um, they gave up their wine. And they started packing, left before the sun came up that day. And into eternal summer slacking, where were they going without ever knowing the way? Like, whatever. What made you think of that? Whatever, that song came out, what, the late 90s, early 2000s? Saying that? I don't remember the band, but it's called The Way. And it was like about two people. I assume a couple who has kids because they talk about kids and like, like escaping. It's like two adults escaping 
I don't know that's I thought of adulthood the first time I thought like you referenced that I was like that's the first song the way I can't remember who sang that song I'll have to look it up real quick fastball yes it's like a song about like two adults like escaping their mundane home life I don't know that's the first song interesting first song I thought of okay but my question my challenge for you was not to sing a song that already exists it was to make up a song about adulthood oh okay sometimes the pressure is there to make up dinner with flair you've got four hungry mouths don't let it go south you gotta do something don't dare go into the kitchen and make some food because it's your time to make something that's cool or maybe you'll do a casserole you'll put it in their hole and when i say hole i really mean mouth hole don't think of dirty things and that's what we will bring it's your night to make dinner, even though you don't want to, and maybe you convince somebody else to do the dishes. I don't okay. know. I just well, pulled it straight out of my ass. You did a much better job than I probably would have. I really feel like for the listener, if you want, like, if you have a weird sense of humor like we do, and you're like a big fan of Jason, <laughs> people really become big fans of yours, by the way. It's always really interesting to me. I feel like... No, I mean, like people get obsessed with you. They just love you. They're kind of, I feel like some people listen to this podcast just for you and are like annoyed that you're doing it with me because they just Whoa. wish that it was you. Wow. Maybe that's, that's just insecurity. Whew. Okay. <laughs> insecurity is coming out. If you want like some random, to see a random moment of Jason's, one of my favorite things is I believe still on your Instagram as a highlight. It's like a story that you did and it's, it's you singing about the chakras. Yeah, it's actually the first that, highlight. I think it's even before Bella, which Bella, by the way, her highlight reel on Instagram stories, still the most popular, but it's before the Bella Aww. reel. I think you should look into your Instagram insights to see how many people watch that chakra story highlight because like, that was recorded at least a year ago, maybe two years ago. Yeah. Right? At our friend Nathaniel's birthday party. Yep. And I just got, I was so amused by that, but I'm bringing that up because that was you making up some random song and what was even going on? Was it one of those things where like somebody said a word and then you had to make up a song about it or how did that even happen? No, it was total freestyle. Nathaniel had a drum machine and a keyboard and was looping and making beats and we were just (laughs) passing the microphone back and forth. So there was absolutely no instigation. It was just, it was just complete freestyle. And I was pulling out songs about chakras and drinking tea and what spiritual women want and dating spirit, like random ass stuff. And sometimes I come up with stuff that's really good. Like that night I was pretty much on fire. And then the one (laughs) I just made up about adulthood and doing dishes and making dinner, it wasn't so great. It was fine. But that's the thing about, you know, taking a swing with your creativity. You know, sometimes it's going to suck ass. And sometimes you're going to come up with stuff that's really amazing. And that's just life. You're not going to come up with something amazing every single time. You're just not. And it's That's true. the willingness just to keep creating and keep doing things. And eventually you're going to strike gold. That's one thing I really like about you, Jason, is that you're willing to do those things. Whereas someone like me, who's introverted and a little bit shy in those situations, like it was hard for me to even sing happy birthday at the beginning. I had to like take a deep breath <laughs> and Aww. really pump myself up to like sing on here and then like try not to get too critical like wow am I going to sound bad like I probably will never listen back to this episode just because I'm afraid if I listen back I sounded really bad at singing then I would like be really critical (laughs) you sounded great Um, you were in key the whole time by the way 
Good. Actually, yeah. it's kind of hard to sing happy birthday. It's funny because it's such a common song that we sing, but it's a really challenging song to sing. Your pitch was great. You stayed in key. I thought you did a good job. Really. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Benefit of friendship is to have somebody point out your good qualities when you did a good job, give you some praise. I appreciate that. Well, for anybody who's curious about that chakra song, it'll be linked in the show notes. You can go directly to that. And I'd be curious, you could like DM Jason and tell him like, hey, I just listened to the chakra song because I heard it mentioned on the podcast. I would love that. I'm really curious how many people are going to go do that. Okay. How many more queries should we do before we wrap? One, two? Let's do one more because I actually have something I want to say that just came to me at the end of the episode. So let's do one more. Okay. The last one... (laughs) I was amused by this. Uh, The query was, better way to sexually warm up. (laughs) What in the hell? Warm up. Do they mean (laughs) foreplay or do they mean before foreplay? Do the pre-foreplay? Like, like, yeah, what is (gasps) breathing? Like, what? Lubricant? Like, whoa, wow. Warm up could mean a lot of different things. Yeah, like, is it like fitness where you you stretch before you work out so that your body... Pelvic thrusts? What? (laughs) Hip openers? What? Wow. (laughs) Sexual warm-ups. That is... Wow. I'm curious. I mean, these are the sort of things I wish that, you know, I hope somebody comes back to our or finds this podcast because they're like determined to find the answer to that query. So they keep searching for it. And it'd be so nice if they could just let us know what exactly did they mean by that? You know, I really want to know. Maybe somebody else listening will have a a different theory on, on why they're searching for that. But Yeah, sexually warm up. Yeah, I mean, is it eating, say, a meal with your lover that is uh, laced with aphrodisiac foods ahead of time? I mean, we could go in a lot of directions with a sexual warm-up. And that reminds me, it would be nice to have your friends whose names are escaping me that specialize in sexuality, Jason. They're a couple. We saw them at Brendan Burchard's event. Oh, Jaya and Ian. Yes. Wouldn't they be interesting podcast guests? Yes, they would. And we haven't talked to them in several years, but uh, absolutely love their work. Actually, we'll link to Jaya's work in the show notes because she is a very wonderful resource for sexual health and kinks and the psychology behind sex and exploring your sexuality. Yes, they would be phenomenal guests. Great suggestion. All right. Well, maybe they'll have an answer to this query. Someone has got to have an answer to what a sexual warm-up is. On a completely different note, as we wrap up, dear listener, being that it is my birthday today, and I do get a lot of queries on social media, and perhaps you may be wondering of what you can do to celebrate me if you feel so inclined, if that thought has crossed your mind, I am actually requesting that anybody who feels moved to do that make a donation to our favorite animal rescue in California, which is called Little Love Rescue. Our dear friend, Brittany Littleton has been running it for many, many years. It's where I adopted Bella and my kitten Julius from. Uh, Whitney and I are both huge fans of their work, and I often do actually animal rescue. This year alone, I've done a lot of transport to them and actually rescued a beautiful cat named Gil, who was on his deathbed and got him back to health and got got him fixed up and got him to a, a foster mom who now adopted him. So we love them. We love Brittany's work and all of the volunteers there at Little Love Rescue. They are currently 
facing a pretty sticky legal crisis. And I uh, don't want to get into that. You can follow them on Instagram for more of that. But if anybody wants to or feels moved to make a donation on my behalf, I just request that it go to Little Love Rescue. Their Instagram handle, which we'll link to in the show notes, is at the Little Love Rescue. Their website is littlelovrescue.com. We will put all of their resources there. But if you want to find out more about their life-saving work of many different animal species, not just dogs and cats, they've taken in lizards and pigs and bunnies and rabbits and possums and birds and all kinds of wonderful creatures that need protection and rehabilitation. Uh, just request that you donate to them because they are a very small family-run nonprofit organization and we absolutely love them. And uh, without them, I wouldn't have two of my favorite companions in my life, Bella and Julius. So please support them if you feel moved to do so. And I would certainly appreciate that too uh, as a gesture for my birthday. Or any time of the year. I think making a donation is a wonderful gift. I'm so glad that you brought it up. To clarify, their website is littleloverescue.org. Thank you. And we will link to that. I highly recommend following them on Instagram. Although I will preface by saying it's a little dangerous because every single animal they post about on there, I want to adopt. And <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I will pause and seriously consider it. There was a rabbit on there that I really, really wanted to adopt. And, and then sometimes I'll think, well, maybe I can just foster, but I know that I would be a foster fail. So it's tough. If I could rescue all the animals, I would. So don't let that discourage you. I'm just saying like you have to be prepared for having a strong desire and to rescue them. And then if you don't live in Los Angeles, that's okay because what you can do A is as Jason said, donate and B, you can spread the word. So anybody else you know on social media, for example, if you know somebody in California or or even nearby, some people will travel hours to rescue an animal. So they don't necessarily have to be super close to Los Angeles. But your support by liking, commenting, and sharing helps build their social media platform. So that in itself is a huge gift, and there's a lot that you can do. Thank you for bringing that up, Jason. Wishing you a very happy birthday. Thank you to the listener for listening. We'd love to hear from you, so please be in touch with us. We'd love for you to fill out that survey that I mentioned, which again is at podcast.wellevator.com slash survey. And everything we mentioned today is in the show notes, including the link to the survey. So the easiest way to get everything that we've talked about is to go to podcast.wellevator.com or simply go to wellevator.com and click the button podcast. It'll lead you there. You can easily search for this episode or just scroll down. It should be one of the more recent episodes, depending on when you're listening. Wit, I just want to thank you for the sweet birthday blessing and song at, at the beginning of this and, and taking so much time to not only acknowledge me, but acknowledge all the beautiful memories. And it's just doing this work with you is a real gift as my best friend and business partner, someone I've known for almost eight years now, coming up on eight years. It's just been wonderful in this time of massive change and evolution and growth and all the things we're experiencing to also be in this new stage of our growth together. So just want to acknowledge you and tell you how much I love and appreciate you. Thank you. Well, thanks, because I love to be acknowledged. <laughs> In fact, yeah, Whitney has this thing where she points at herself. and I literally just did it and, right and, now. <laughs> and, and cocks her head up like a proud French bulldog and goes like, <laughs> I want to be acknowledged. <laughs> it's like the little kid in me. And 
we did a whole episode about receiving compliments and yes. it feels good sometimes to say, Hey, you know what? I received that. Thank you so much for that. That feels good. There's no shame in enjoying acknowledgement. And my love language is words of affirmation or one of my top love languages. So if yours is also words of affirmation as a listener, take it in and ask people too. I, mean, <laughs> I just tell Jason when I want to be acknowledged for something. And even though I'm asking him to acknowledge me, it still feels good when he does it versus if he just did it out of nowhere like he just did. So thank you for acknowledging me, Jason. I appreciate you. I love you. And I hope you have a phenomenal birthday despite the interesting circumstances we're in. And for the listener, if your birthday fell during COVID, mine did in March. I was my birthday fell like a week or two into quarantine, and that was certainly interesting. But you know, it was fine. <laughs> it wasn't super exciting, but birthdays don't always need to be or or special occasions. It's all about making the most of it. We hope that you enjoy all the different tips and perspectives we offer in our free ebook. And until next time, we appreciate you. We acknowledge you. And we hope that you'll stick around, especially for our upcoming episode about hustle culture. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 